This is The Parent Perspective, a podcast created to help parents and carers support their children in making more informed career decisions with greater confidence, knowledge and understanding. In each episode, we will share your experiences of navigating career conversations with your children and provide insights into how the world of work is changing from trusted experts, organisations and employers already working with young people today. It's time for your perspective to count. Hello, welcome to the first episode of The Parent Perspective. My name is Steve and I'm going to be your host today. In this week's episode, we have a Q&A session for you with the Director of Education at the Careers and Enterprise Company, Nicola Hall. The discussion is facilitated by Anna Morrison at Amazing Apprenticeships and features parents John and Sarah. We'll also be joined by George Anderson, a workplace wellbeing expert from Gen Healthy Minds, who'll be sharing their top tips for parents just like you on how to support your child's mental health. Before we join Anna, don't forget to share your questions to put to our team of careers experts. In a few weeks' time, we'll be talking about what to do next after results day. Click in the link in the show notes to record a voice message with your questions. Nicola, it's great to have you with us today. Could you start by telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Thanks, Anna, and thank you so much for inviting me today. So by way of introduction, I'm here um, this afternoon with multiple hats to discuss with you all how parents and carers can best access support to have really effective and meaningful conversations about careers with their children. And so I've got really three hats on today. The first of those hats is my role. I'm the Director of Education at the Careers and Enterprise Company. And my role um, nationally across England is to support schools and colleges to provide careers programmes and activities to really help and equip young people to make really well-informed choices about their best next steps. So the second hat that I have on today is one that's worn as a secondary head teacher. And that's the role I had for a number of years before moving into my current role nationally. However, I was a secondary head teacher with a background in industry as well. And that's really helped me to understand the perspectives of both young people and employers when they're thinking about careers and the development of, of for young people of their own particular careers and their employability skills, which are so critical when they're choosing their next steps. But thirdly, and probably most importantly, in the context of this particular discussion this morning, I'm here as a parent as well. And I'm a, I'm a parent of three children, two girls who are now 24 and 22, who now have successfully, thank goodness, navigated very different pathways to their own early careers. And one son who's still at secondary school and and who will take his own options very soon. So I thought I would start off by just telling you a little bit about my experiences as a parent in attempting to support and advise my daughters um, through their career journeys so far. And when our children are preparing to leave school, we have what is frankly a potential minefield ahead of us. So um, often as parents, what we say to our children, and I I hear this all the time, either professionally, and I've done it myself at home, um, what do you want to do when you leave school? And parents get shocked and exasperated with their children when they say, don't know. And that is generally the most usual response, don't know. And that's what young people used to say to us all the time at school as well. 
But the, th the first thing for us to consider as parents and as professionals actually in the career space is choices. And there are so many choices which are available to young people now. And so as parents, we have a natural and really understandable gravitational pull towards the things that we know and understand, because that's our frame of reference for our, our own experiences. So for me, with my daughter number one, that was university. That's what I knew. That's what I understood. That's what I'd done. That's what the teachers I worked with had done. But one day, maybe when she was about 17 or so, my daughter came home and she said to me, OK, mum, I don't think I want to go to university. So I, I thought I did quite a good job of hiding my momentary inner panic. I thought I coped with that quite well. Um, but what I really quickly realised was that in the context of what my daughter wanted to do and her particular interests, I didn't actually know um, what the full range of choices and pathways were for her. And that was a really important moment for me, both as a parent, but also as a head teacher. So together, we set about on a journey of discovery to find out what, what was available for her if she wasn't going to go to university. And of course, in my head, I had this backup plan. Well, it's OK, I'm going to do UCAS anyway because that's what I know and understand. And, and that can be the backup plan if we don't find the right thing going forward. But because there are so many options, it's really important that as a parent, you really understand to, and know where to go for help and support and information. And that as part of that process, you understand your role in your children's decision-making, but also the role that others have got to play. That's a great point, Nicola. So what support can parents and carers expect when it comes to support and information? So every school and every college in the country has a named careers leader. That's, that's part of my role is um, developing those professionals to be able to equip young people with information about their choices. So that person will always be, an, be named on the school website or they certainly should be named on the school website because that's an expectation of schools and colleges within this country as part of the offer around careers guidance for young people. So when we think about careers leaders in schools and colleges, they are really the conductor of an orchestra when it comes to careers information. And they are really well placed to help you and to help your sons and daughters to navigate what, what is really the spaghetti junction of pathways that are available to young people. And then as part of their careers offer, every young person, particularly those that are approaching transition points that might be year 11, might be year 13, or it might even be when your young people are making choices about their options in, in year nine or so, every young person has got access to a, a qualified careers advisor. Now, my advice, though, is where possible to do some research together first. And it makes that because that makes the conversations with the careers professionals much easier when you get to that, when your young person gets to that point in time. And if you can't do that at home, if you don't have the the, the tools and equipment or, or sometimes um, an easy relationship with your young person to have those types of conversations, then it's really important that you do turn to your school, your local school and college and ask them for some support and help. And at this point, really, in, in the journey of making choices for your children, the internet becomes your best friend um, because there is some really high quality parental information available for you to really help you navigate the complex um, space that is that it occupies um, pathways and choices for young people. So just some really um, 
key examples in that space, we have um, the National Career Service website, um, amazing apprenticeships, um, have some incredible parental guides to help um, with information. Not going to uni is a site that I used, particularly as a parent, when my child was in, in, interrogating other options available to her. And of course, the very um, broad range of support that's available through the UCAS website as well. What would be your top tips for parents and carers who are trying to support their child with their options? Best tips that I think that I can give to parents in the context of careers guidance come really in five steps. And the first step is just be open minded and really prepared to explore a range of options that are available for young people. You may well be really surprised at what you find out. The second point that I'd like to make is I think you should always think twice. So when I say think twice, I say this because I think there are two really clear starting points for helping young people around their careers choices. The first starting point is technical education pathways, and the second starting point will be academic pathways. There is no one better route between these two pathways, but there are many quality options available within both. The third tip is think about what's your child's preferred learning style. It, it matters not what their ability levels are at school um, at all. But thinking about their learning style may well help you to, to interrogate what type of next step is most appropriate um, for you to explore for your young person. The fourth tip that I have is really use the support that's available to you. Don't be afraid to ask your child's school or college for information. That is their role. They have a responsibility to help your child prepare for their next level of transition. There is no there is no part of, of a parent's place in careers guidance that is an expectation that as a parent, you should understand how to be a qualified careers advisor. But we do know that parents have a really strong level of influence over the choices that their young people make. And the fifth and the last, don't ever assume or expect your child to know what they want to do. We know from research that young people perceive a career as something that you have when you're older. You know, when you're as old as me and you've been through your journey of jobs, you then have a career. You've got a career pathway and they see that as a long term, um, long term choice. So when they see a career as when you've already picked your route, when you have started your journey, when you've been promoted, that's what a career is. And I think if you think and ask yourself really clearly, were you ready when you were 16 or 18 or 21 to make that commitment? Did you know what you wanted to do? I'm a, I most certainly didn't. And I've changed my career pathway along the way several times as I've learned about myself and the things that I enjoy and understand um, about my performance at work. That's so true. And I meet so many people who have changed career direction many times or are not doing the job that they thought they would always be doing. Something we often get asked by parents is, what do I do if my child won't listen to me? Would you have any advice about that? If conversations are really difficult for you um, at home, and I understand having had um, experiences with my own teenagers that that really can be the case, then 
just point them also in, in the direction of tools that they can use to help themselves. There are some fantastic examples of self-directed learning from, um, from charities such as Youth Employment UK, where young people can really start to explore and interrogate different pathways that are available. And they may well find um, through some of those packages on the internet, things that spark their interest that they then want to come and have a conversation with you about to take further. So your role in all of this as parents is to help support and inquire, to help make sure that your, your children are prepared. And what we're preparing your children to do at this stage is not to make a final destination career choice. What we're, what we're preparing them to do is make well-informed choices about their next best step. So just to finish my personal story that I started this, this with, um, the story of the two daughters, one of those two daughters left college. She went from, um, from school into a, a, a further education college and she studied BTECs. She then started a degree apprenticeship programme with a global company, a, a global manufacturer. Six years later, she's got a degree she, and she did incredibly well in her degree. But alongside that degree, she's got masses of experience. She also has a technical project management qualification and she earned a salary throughout the journey. That really worked for her. Daughter two took a completely different route. She took traditional A-levels in a sixth form college. She then followed a traditional path to university, graduated and started and starts work this September. Both of those pathways were amazing, but both of those pathways were peppered with challenges. They were peppered with opportunities and they both had experiences that were incredibly different. So my, my, my advice to parents, to all parents, when considering supporting their children with careers information is be open-minded and be prepared to listen to your young people. When our children don't know what to do, we often revert to a role as influencer. But, my, you know, but take, a, take a moment to think about, does your, does your influence, do your interests really speak to those of your child? And then go and seek out the resources and the tools that will help them. Thanks, Nicola. I'm going to bring in our panel members, if that's OK, because they've been listening intently and scribbling down lots of uh, ideas, I'm sure. So, Sarah, if I can ask you to introduce yourself briefly and just tell us a little bit about your children, if you'd be happy to, and your own background as well. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, so I have two children. I've got a 14 year old daughter who is currently in year nine. Um, quite driven and academic and focused and has lots of ideas of what she wants to do, quite clear ideas. Uh, and then on the other perspective, I have an 11 year old um, who has some challenges to say the least. Um, he's got autism amongst other things. Um, so it's totally coming, totally different views where I'm coming from with the future and what they can do. Um, about myself, I am a florist. I run a florist business now. Um, I haven't always done that. I had a job at school in floristry in New Zealand, um, after school job. But then at school, one, I guess what you call a scholarship to PW to do um, to do two years of like seeing if you like working in an accountancy firm and you could do some part time study at, at the time as well. Um, I did that for a while and then floristry drew me back to it. So I ended up doing a three year apprenticeship um, and training qualifying as a florist then. Um, from there, I moved to the UK in 2002 um, 
and went back into cars, which I've sort of dabbled in and out of. So I ended up working for Aldi and worked in, in management in Aldi, which I loved until I had children. Um, and since then, I've gone back to floristry and that's what I'm doing at the moment. Thank you, Sarah. And John, if I can bring you in, if you could just tell us a little bit about your children and your background as well. Yep, my youngest is Max. He's 18. He's just about to graduate from college, having done a business studies course, um, but uh, not entirely certain about his future. He's quite a steely, confident, resilient character. So I think he's got some aspirational thoughts and very independent thoughts. And uh, my daughter is very different to Max. Isabella, she's 22. She's just about to graduate from university with a politics degree. Um, very different in terms of um, she has some anxiety. She's had some um, mental health issues over the years, which has impacted her confidence. Um, but at the same time, I think she's uh, very individually strong but I think she just finds it hard in the competitive world that young people find themselves in I think that causes some additional anxiety around how she's going to be able to compete um, so that's my children and, and myself I sort of fell into a career in financial services 38 years ago because at the time I had no idea what I wanted to do as a career or a job or anything else so I think I took the sensible advice from my parents at that time was try retail or banking. I fell into banking, but I've, I've been one of the lucky ones. I've been able to carve out um, a very, broadly speaking, a happy career over the last 38 years. So, um, but uh, as what I struggle with is being is giving advice to my children. So I'm, I'm hoping that this, this uh, session will, will help me, give me the confidence to be able to speak uh, and, and also give me the confidence to make them listen in some ways. But, um, but at the same time, I always encourage them to go their own path. But, but that makes me feel a bit useless. And uh, so I want to be a bit more um, helpful if I can be. Thank you, John. That's really, really lovely to hear. So, Sarah, your daughter is, um, although not quite yet at school leaver age, quite clear on on the route that she would like to pursue at the moment I'll say at the moment because of course things may change but um from listening to Nicola did did some of Nicola's words resonate with you in terms of kind of trying to navigate the career landscape and and support her the best you can yeah absolutely um it is about just it almost is about putting some like not barriers but just some side curtains on there just that they can navigate their way through but just being able to support her through it as well um I'm lucky that she's so focused but it's it's almost to the point of being over focused with her so it is being able to say look be kind to yourself um and actually you can stand back and look and I know about the apprenticeship scheme which I think is incredible and it gives you a taster because I, I always wanted to go into accountancy, did, you know, had a taster for it and then, and then went away from it. And I think with listening again and hearing what is available with the apprenticeship scheme, you can get a taster and she can be earning money at the same time, as well as going towards a degree as well. So, yeah, it definitely brings in lots of other options just to sort of open her eyes to her as well. Thanks, Sarah. And John, for yourself, um, so your son at that kind of transition point, kind of trying to make sense of what those options may be coming out of his business studies course. Um, when Nicola was speaking, were there areas that resonated with you, kind of tips that you were picking up thinking, ah, oh, I would be able to do that with him now? 
I would, but um, and, and, and all gratefully noted. <laughs> but I guess he is an independent character who thinks that he's probably got his master plan and, and come hell or high water, he will achieve it somehow. And that's to be admired, you know, because I see a very different perspective from young, from young people. So in some ways I am uh, very pleased that he has that confidence in himself. But at the same time, there's, from my what I perceive is, there isn't much of a plan or a plan B. He doesn't believe in plan Bs. It's all about plan A. Um, and so, but, but, but that's fine. You know, I think he will be successful because of, because of how driven he is. But um, I'm not entirely sure that he's explored all of the options that are available to young people. And perhaps I'm not the best person to advise him on, on what they are. But I'd just like at least for him to have that perspective and say, yeah, I know all about all those various resources and opportunities for me, but I've discounted them consciously and deliberately because I have a different path and a different perspective, which is absolutely great and absolutely fine. But I just want to make sure that he has, uh, we talked about choices earlier. I want people, my family to have informed choices, if you like. Thank you, John. And Nicola, if I can bring you in here, because you mentioned the, the fantastic role of careers leader and brilliant that every establishment, educational establishment in England should have that named careers leader role. How important can careers leaders be in supporting that kind of the exploration of options? What expectation can parents and carers have of the careers leader to be supporting their child and bringing in perhaps that third voice, the person who might be able to say, say all of the things that the parent would want to say, but perhaps feel aren't being listened to. So I think the, I think the most important part of the role of a careers leader is that they can facilitate a whole range of um, conversations, different types of encounters and experiences for young people that, that, will stimulate their thoughts about different types of situations and honestly believe me I I've been I've been a teacher for a very long period of time but lockdown proved that I can't teach my own children anything um, and and I was woefully inadequate when it came to home learning from that perspective and I think that is incredibly challenging and even if we think about some different types of situations where you know even when we're teaching our own children to learn how to drive or we're teaching them other, you know, other things throughout their, their development as, as young people, it can be very, very difficult because you don't actually know anything because you're a parent. Whereas um, a careers leader has got access to a range of, of professionals who are, who are deemed by young people to be experts within their fields. Because also remember as well, in the eyes of young people, teachers don't usually know anything about careers either because they're teachers, so why, why would they know about what's going on outside? So, and this is, these are very common conversations that we have with teenagers in schools all of the time. And we know that, you know, if an employer has a conversation with a young person, that how they read that information can look quite different. And I was just having a conversation with somebody yesterday and, and a young person said, the employer told us about um, 
you know, how we need to dress for work and why, how, why that's so important. And the teacher said, well, I know, but we've covered that in class. They're like, yeah, I know, but the employer told us and they're the one that's going to be paying our wages. And that real kind of differentiation for young people around different voices and different experiences. And really, that's what a careers leader has got to bring to this party. They've got a framework to work towards, which is, um, you know, school based framework. But really, that sets out for them how they can pull together a, a careers programme that gives young people lots of different opportunities to explore information along the way. Sometimes young people won't always recognise that they're doing careers, as it were, at school, because they might be experiencing an activity with an employer with the rest of their year group, or they might go on a visit to, um, to some kind of industry setting. But all of those layers of experiences and encounters and wider conversations really um, start to help young people make decisions about things that they might like to explore further. And actually, as a family, that's something you can do as well. You can you can facilitate if if you're able to conversations for your children with other professionals that you may um, you may work with. And so, for instance, um, if you work in a large organisation that's got a digital function, your your child might be interested in some kind of digital development. You can probably facilitate some of those wider um, conversations on a local level as well. But I think the important thing about um, about careers is really the opportunity for for exploration, and it comes in very many different forms. Um, and so the careers leader has a responsibility to make sure that young people know about different pathways and options. But it's interesting, isn't it? You can take a horse to water, but we can't always make it make them drink it. And and for many young people, they will absolutely know what what, what they want to do. And they and there's nothing wrong with that at all, because they also sometimes will find that when they then explore various courses and pathways and routes along their then personal journey, they will start to nuance their own you know their own career as they find specialisms that they're interested in or different experiences take them on different journeys but for some young people they need more and they need a more intensive approach to the support that we can give them in schools and colleges and that's really where the 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 real um professionalism of the careers leader but also the professionally qualified advisors really kicks in so if you're in a situation as a parent where you felt that your young person wasn't being exposed to those experiences so, for instance, they might find that they really didn't, you might find they really don't understand the concept of um, what what an apprenticeship could lead to, then it would be um, it would be appropriate for you to drop a line to school and say, do you know what, I'm just not really confident that that my son or daughter has got, have got has got this picture. What can you do to help facilitate a conversation? Just thinking about preparation and how early it has to be um to me I just find it quite scary because my daughter knows what she wants to be and in year nine is already looking at wanting to this this summer is going to organize a week's work experience in it in her preparation for her application to do what she wants to do how relevant is that and how important do you think it is I mean to me it seems quite extreme but she's more than happy to do it but speaking she's speaking with her head teacher and her head teacher said that's it is some for some of the admissions that's what you need to do um but how important is that to her i think it's really 
really quite important for two different reasons. If she has absolutely decided that that's going to be her pathway, then a series of different work experiences along the way will undoubtedly help her, particularly if she's going to apply um, through an academic route, because once you get to making um, applications for competitive university courses in particular, they will expect to see that you've had that you've explored the programme that you want to study, that you've got a real genuine understanding, but also what that experience will do and layers of experience will start to set her application aside from, from others. Yeah. But the counter side to that is doing experience of any description along your journey can be as informative in the other direction if you really thought you were going to do something. And I, I've got a little bit of experience of this going back a very long way now. But when I did work experience at school, I did it in a pharmacy department in a hospital because I thought that I was potentially going to go and explore pharmacy. As a, and honestly, the two week work experience told me that pharmacy was not the career for me at that particular time. And so really i don't think there's any any experience for a young person that doesn't have value it just has value in different ways and dif at different times and if she's motivated enough to use her you know her, her half-term holiday in that way then my um thought is all power to her and she will get something from it without a doubt thank you that is actually cool because it does give you a different idea of looking at it because you're, you're absolutely right it could determine that she doesn't want to do it as well as make her more driven to do it as well so yeah thank you just i hear this quite often from from my son and daughter and other other young people it seems to be in in notion of this paradox in their mind around even if i've encouraged them to, to apply for a summer job or where they've got some downtime just to get some experience to say well i can't get a job because i haven't got experience so there seems to be that blocker in their mind you know is that a reality or is it just a perception that kind of people have so i think um i think that this in the moment that we're in at the moment it's been incredibly challenging for young people to secure experience because of the nature of the um of the of the economy and the and the health situation that we've been facing and often young people's experiences when they are um, in their late teens and through that kind, of, that kind of 16 to 18 period, often those experiences are rooted in hospitality and retail and those types of environments. So it has been incredibly difficult for them recently. I think there are a number of ways of which you can approach the um, perceived lack of experience. And there are ways that you can then address that um, as, as a young person. Um, there are there are lots of opportunities developing now for virtual work experiences. And some of those, they are patchy in quality, um, but some of them are incredibly good. And if your son or daughter has got a particular sector in mind, then it's worth them exploring potentially some vir virtual work experience opportunities within those sectors. But if we're talking about general experience and that whole kind of experience of the workplace, which we also know is so incredibly important, and many schools, well, A, haven't been able to offer that at a school level over the last couple of years, and some, um, some schools very... Um, have really changed their programs because now what we look for is really something that we refer to as meaningful experience of the workplace 
And so that doesn't necessarily need to be a weekend job or two weeks work experience. It might be going to visit a particular industry that you're, you're interested in. And those types of short bursts of experience can then be built together to lead to something that they can apply for and say, well, actually I have, I have been and explored this sector and I've really, I've really delved into it. So I'm now, I think the next step for me is actually to, to go and get some actual work experience. But I think there's another side to work experience, which I've seen um, unfold a, a lot with teenagers over the last few years. And that is persistence pays. And I think that that I've I've spoken to many young people about this over time over time and sometimes you get young people and they will they'll wander around town popping in and out of shops and bars saying have you got any jobs and so the employers go not at the moment sorry whereas if you if your young people are prepared to put their legwork in and they invest in the development of their CV and they think about what other experiences they've got, and it might be volunteering as well, it doesn't necessarily need to be paid work, and they start to build that into a, into their own kind of brand, even at, at 15, and then they go to an employer with their CV and they say, I'm just going to leave this here for you, and I wonder if you could take a look at it, and then you know, give me a call if anything becomes available. In most cases, within a couple of weeks, if they've dropped enough of those CVs and presented themselves in a really professional manner, an opportunity will pop through the, through their email or by text or whatever it might be these days. So persistence absolutely pays. And, um, and I always just say to young people in that, I used to say to young people in that situation at school, you know, bring your CV to us, we'll help you shape it, we'll print all the copies for you, and, and schools like that kind of proactivity in young people as well. So there's there's kind of lots of ways that you can get your toes through the door. And then ultimately later down the line, when you're applying for um, more roles that are more likely to be career defining in some way, you've got something to go back to on your early CV as it goes through the door. And, and not least from my perspective, it doesn't really matter what kind of experience you've got, it can be anything, but what experience does do is give you gives you something to talk about at interview. And so there is always something to refer back to in some kind of context or other. And so I personally, I think it's worth, you know, worth the effort. And we know that some industries um, actually don't bother um, pu even publishing their vacancies when, you know, it's particularly in the, we've seen this uh, quite a bit in the creative industries um, where they will recruit based on proactive approaches just like that. And they will recruit from people that they've got on experience and take them to the next level. And those job vacancies may never reach the public domain. You know, just adding to the work experience, I have people here on work experience who are building their hours there at college and building their hours. And it's the same. I only ever take someone who approaches me. I've never advertised. And if someone approaches me, then, you know, we I often get two or three a year for each year of the course doing it. Um, and it works really well. And, I, and I've ended up employing two of the people and, you know, on part time basis. So it's definitely worthwhile. Um, my other question was just regards to my son. So he's only 11 at the moment and we've now he's he's back into a mainstream school, which is brilliant. But starting the even the thought process of what do you want to do? How are you going to do it? And what sort of support is available for kids with SEN, like navigating the whole the whole process? Um, 
I mean, I know he'd be wonderful when he, in a position where he went to, but it's it's him being able to, you know, get past his anxiety and get past everything and actually get through the door. Um, and it's just a matter of what sort of framework or anything that's available that I can kind of help him with um, and, and, and talk to the school about as well and sort of say what options are available and what sort of help do they give. So um, we do quite a bit of work um, now with careers leaders and how they link up to um, the, the special educational needs coordinators in schools, because we often find that young people with additional needs are off are spending a, a lot of time with the senkos in schools or their or support assistants, but not wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards the careers leader, because that might be. Um, unfamiliar or uncharted territory for a young person in, in that um, particular space. So when you're talking to school, I would um, I would suggest that you ask the careers, the, the SENCO, if that's your main point of contact to or, or whoever is your um, key pastoral support for your son to really hook in with the careers leader in the school and think hard about how they can they can start to piece together a program across the five years of your son's initial school journey, which will make sure that he's got lots of layers of experiences to be able to explore. Now, um, it's it's not something that we we don't normally, from my perspective professionally, we don't work directly with students. We work always through schools and colleges, but. But my team this year have created a suite of activities which are called My Skills, My Future. And they're very much, um, they've been developed with young people with additional needs in mind. So there are lots of activities that schools can use with those, um, with any young people to help them explore what might be available to them over the course of their school journey overall. And I think um, my advice where possible is to, uh, for school to enable him to be involved in in a way that is appropriate for him that he feels able to access and, and comfortable with but from the perspective of this of the careers leader they do they have a responsibility to make sure um you know that every young person is considered so if you have a you know you might have a careers program that says um, all young people in year eight are going to do this particular activity but that might not be suitable or accessible to your son so um, it's worth then having conversations, particularly when you're at parents evening or if you go when you get to the stage of options evening for your son. And that may well be either in year eight or year nine. You should be able to seek out and have conversations with the careers leader in school if you've not contacted them before and, and have very specific conversations about how they can support him and his particular needs. I guess this is a very generic and broad question about um equipping young people for the world of work uh, and I know that's all of our responsibility parents education or institutions and society but I just I see a lot of people and, and including my own children have anxieties about how how well they're prepared for the world of work um, so practical things and I know it will be different depending on the industry or the employer but do they really understand what what, what the environment of work looks and feels like compared to their life experience to date do they even understand general housekeeping and practical stuff around tax paye pension planning all of those sorts of things that that as we start out in work we're encouraged to think about but have never encountered or seemingly have no clue about yeah so there's 
there's a couple of different um, issues in there to deal with. Um, the, around the kind of financial capability, that should, and it and it's variable in different schools, to be fair, but it should fall within the citizenship and PHSE curriculum at a school. So young people should be accessing that type of information. However, um, it's not always as strong or present as it should be. And, and young people frequently say to us, we want, you know, if we asked young people to design a school curriculum, that's that sort of information would be high on their list of things that they would want included in that curriculum overall. There are um, resources and activities that young people can explore, um, ideally through school, but they can also do that independently. And they're, they're generally present. From, there's some great resources from people like My Pension Service um, or the Money and Pension Service, but also then um, companies like Young Enterprise, who these days take responsibility for financial capability programs for schools as well. So there's some good places that you can you can point um, young people to, and actually they can be as useful for young people that are early in their careers in the workplace as well as as those that are in school and college. When it comes down to skills development, that's really where ideally we should be thinking about how we translate all of the encounters and experiences that young people have throughout their school into. Um, being able to meaningfully talk about them as skills when they go to talk to an employer because I think sometimes what we don't do very well at school is actually show young people how to translate their experience into a, the type of um, preparation for a, an interview conversation or then how to cope when you get into the workplace. Thank you for sharing so much useful information and advice, Nicola, and to John and Sarah for your questions. And of course, Anna for leading the discussion. You can find links in the show notes to the resources that Nicola mentioned. Next up, we have George Anderson, who recently joined me to share his advice on helping children to manage their mental health, especially important given everything going on right now. Hi, George. Welcome to the show. It'd be great if you could start with an introduction to yourself, please. So I have been in the, uh, I guess, the, the world of well-being and um, fitness and, and all of those good things for over the last 20 years. I've gone through personal training and boot camp coaching and uh, maybe probably the last 10, 12 years, a lot more of a holistic approach, behavior change, mindset, performance, and of course, mental health really fits into, into all of that. Uh, now I do a lot of work with corporates and, and individuals on well-being and performance. Thanks, George. So let's start with this question. How do you think parents are getting on at the moment when it comes to supporting their children and their mental health? The, the last 12 months have been so challenging because there's been so much uncertainty. And are universities going to go back? Are they not? Are exams going to happen? Are they not? And I think as a parent, you feel so... Well, of course, you're so involved, you're so integrated in the not just the life, but that process of your children, that it, it, it's really it's such a difficult time for, for parents, as well as for children, we sort of feel it vicariously, I think that, that mental health piece that we, we talk about with children is such a big part for, for parents and, and adults as well. And so the uncertainty about what's 
likely to happen in the future. In fact, I was chatting to a, um, the, the daughter of a friend of mine this morning, and she was saying that, I mean, she's just done, finished her A-levels, and she had been planning to go to university right. and to study physiotherapy. Well, now mm. she's taken a year out. She's in a fortunate position where she's able to do that. And not just because she's unsure about what the what it's going to be like in October, September, when it goes, but um, but but that, that's that's a big part of it. I think it's not knowing what things are going to be like, and are we going to be missing out on that university experience? Are we going to be missing out on that um, apprenticeship experience? Working in going into the workplace and working remotely. So there's still a lot of uncertainty about and. I think it's getting a little bit more clear as to what the future might hold. So possibly things are going to be getting a little bit easier on that front, but it's still a really big source of concern and anxiety for parents and, uh, and uh, children alike. I've done a lot of work with apprentices over the last 12 months. And instead of going out to the workplace, the vast majority are working from home. And if you're living with your parents, or maybe for some, they may be in a house share. And mm -hmm. there's no dedicated study or workspace. And so they're working from communal areas, working from bedrooms. It's, it's not ideal. And, and then that puts that extra strain on that family dynamic as well, if that's the location that somebody's mm -hmm. working from. Yeah. Um, so there's all these, again, it's new territory. It's, it's been, we, we haven't got a precedent to, or any comparisons. Again, as parents, we haven't got, well, back in my day, this is how we dealt with it. We just haven't had to do this before. So it's all very new. And again, people are getting a bit more used to it. But I think also a lot of people are just a bit fed up with it and, and want to just go back to things being a little bit more straightforward and all the normal worries about starting a new apprenticeship or placement, because it's never easy making any kind of transition, right? But at least we sort of understand what those worries and concerns might be a little bit more. What might be some of the tips that you'd give for parents, either from your own experience with your children or from what you've heard, um, for giving um, children support with their mental health and well-being right now? Yeah, well, I, th I think we can almost boil it down to a, a smallish number of elements that are contributing to the, the anxiety and the uncertainty. I mean, uncertainty is one of those things. We just don't know what things are going to be like and even if mm -hmm. you know you're going into an apprenticeship for example and you're going to be working from home then you still don't know what it's going to be like and and human beings have a tendency towards thinking quite negatively about situations we all have a negativity bias so we look at the things that could harm us and, and hurt us and yeah that's physical or psychological so we focus on those things and and then what might happen in our minds becomes what will happen and we are we have tendency towards catastrophizing lots of different what are called thinking traps but catastrophizing is a real common one in this scenario um and it might go something like this well I, you know i'm going to get a job but i won't know what i'm doing i'll be working remotely everyone else will know what they're doing they're all going to think i'm an idiot no one's going to like me I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to have to leave. I'll be so embarrassed. I'll never get another job again. And we very quickly in our minds go to the end of the world, worst case scenario. And of course, the problem with that is we then believe that that's what's going to happen. So a couple of tools and things that we can do to start combating that, both as uh, if you're um, a, 
going into an apprenticeship or you're a parent supporting somebody, and I know that's the majority of the listeners to this podcast, then doing something like working through this thought pattern, this process can be really beneficial. Tools like journaling, uh, one mm. tool in particular called the circle of control is very, very effective for this. And, and this, this is essentially where you, you write, maybe draw a big circle on a piece of paper and outside of it, you write down all of the things that you have no control over, but will still influence your life and will have an impact on you. Mm-hmm. Like I have to work from home. I don't have a dedicated workspace, whatever it might be. You write all of those things down. And then on the inside of that circle, you write down some of the things that you do have an influence on. And it might be that you're going to get up and you're going to get dressed into your professional work gear every day. You're going to turn up and you're going to take each day as it comes. These are things that are inside of your control. And although that might seem like quite small things when there's all these these big things out there that are out there to get us. Actually, what that does is it brings the center of control back into the circle. Rather than looking at on helpless and hopeless, everything's out of my control. We start looking at, well, what actually can I influence? What can I control? I can control my attitude. I can control my response. I can control my physical well-being practices, my diet, my exercise, the breaks that I take. There are still things that are within our control, but we often don't see them because we focus on everything else. Yeah. So that journaling experience uh, exercise, the circle of control is a really good starting point. And it's quite fun to work through as well as a, as a parent helping a, a, their child to go through that. It can be really enriching for, I think for both parties, not just for the, um, you know, for the, for the child. And we know that you've done a lot of work to support students. You mentioned it back there as well. And parents around that transition into the workplace. Is there any interesting learnings that you can share with us that would be useful for parents? Yeah, I think there's a big tendency to compare yourself with other people. And I think we're very good at believing that we're the only ones who are going through this. We're the only ones who are struggling. Everyone else seems to be dealing with it everyone else seems to be coping everyone seems to be thriving and whether that's through social media or just a general perception that we have that everyone else is doing okay except for me we compare ourselves to that and then it's like hitting ourselves with the stick of self-judgment it just makes it worse yeah so first of all just to acknowledge that actually most people are struggling here this is new territory for absolutely everybody some may well be dealing with it Uh, really really well taken in a stride but the majority are probably going to be struggling so just understanding that from a start point is really I think quite useful gives you that little bit of space to think all right well let's breathe and figure out the way forwards thanks again George for your time some great advice there so that's it for our first episode please do subscribe, switch on your notifications and recommend to friends and family and maybe even leave us a review. Join me next week when we'll be talking to the BBC about the opportunities they offer young people and a group of young people sharing their experiences of working as apprentices and graduates at Sky and Dyson. It's time for your perspective to count. Perspective to count.